Loaded Bases, Episode 8. I can attest to the fact that in the baseball community, there are people that we meet along our journeys that we don't know a such a big impact that they make on us until later down the road. Like for me, one of my biggest impacts has been one of my coaches back in the day, uh, say my 12-year-old year in 2007. His name is Roderick Griggs. So kind of a background backstory on this. So I grew up without a father in my life. So I saw coaches being like a father figure to me. And the way that Roderick coached me and also taught me stuff off the field, I mean, I didn't know any difference. So it was kind of like a tough, say it was kind of like a tough love. But then again, I knew for a fact that he had high expectations of me and that kind of sat perfect with me. Like he made me believe that I can do the things that I do today. Say that has been about 13 years ago now. And Roderick and I, we still talk at least three times a week. I know that he is one of my biggest supporters for this whole podcast and one of my biggest supporters for everything that I do. There's this one time I can recall, uh, we were in Manteca, California playing and, and there was players on our team and they were, uh, I think they were, they're actually like making fun of me for something. But then Roderick came out and was like, yeah, but you guys aren't my number one guy on the mound. And that right there, it was, it was just like the feeling that like all summed up with the confidence and that just stayed with me. There's another story with uh, him and I. So I would always trust his signs. Like whatever he wanted me to throw, I would throw. And this one time I decided to uh, shake off what he told me to pitch. And I knew for a fact that he he would kind of get upset over it. So I did it anyways. And since I was uh, working on a different grip like for my change up I threw it anyways and let's just say that the guy had hit it probably about 380 so and then he and then he came out on the mound and chewed my ass out I guess those were just the expectations that I had and the trust that him and I had together and the one time that I did not want to trust him yeah I gave up a bomb you know, I can go on and on and on about stories with him and I, but I just want to say thank you to Roger Greggs for everything that you have done for me. So my next guest, he kind of has the same story about the people that you meet along your journey that you do not realize how big of an impact that they have on you and, until later on. And in the conversation that we have, it's unbelievable. And please give... Spencer Griffin, a huge welcome. Loaded bases. Spencer Griffin here. How's it going, man? Going well, man. You? Just trying to wake up. There you go. There you go. What organization do you play for? I'm in the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I'm in uh, that organization currently in high right now. Enjoying it? Love it. Wouldn't want to be doing anything else. 
What have you been doing during uh, quarantine time to stay ready? Man, so once they sent us back home from spring training, um, I was kind of doing my own thing for a little bit. Luckily, I had a, a guy I went to high school with. He just became the owner of a gym. So I was hitting with another friend of mine who goes to that gym. And this is when everything was kind of starting to shut down. Mm-hmm. He had like a very, very small class, you know, wearing masks, gloves, that whole thing. And uh, he allowed me to come in there and work out. So almost three weeks after everything started shutting down, I was able to still get back in the gym, get wow. some working out in. So, you know, I was very fortunate. You know, I know a lot of guys that weren't able to do that. So yeah. that was a great thing for me. So I was still able to keep up my routine with hitting and uh, lifting, sometimes having to hit at like high schools around the corner. But my lifting schedule has been great. You know, I've been able to still put on weight, still make some gains. So uh, I've been very fortunate, actually. You know, I know, know a lot of guys who – haven't been so fortunate, been doing some backyard workouts and garage workouts. So, uh, you know, me still having the availability to a gym. Awesome. Well, like, so where I'm from right now, we, uh, so we're still in like phase one, like of the whole like COVID phases. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Like, so gyms aren't open, not like mm-hmm. no, nothing's been open since March. Still? Still. Wow. Yeah. We're, we are the number two highest rate in the nation for COVID. Wow. Number yeah. two highest. So I know Texas, we just reached a, a peak in cases. I think it was up to like 5,000, but we opened everything back up and then everybody started running back out to bars, clubs, restaurants, yeah, gyms. So then our cases just went all the way back up. So it's like, it was okay for a while. Then once everything opened back up, it just went straight back. So we're kind of, um, it's a little scary right now just to go anywhere. Cause they mm-hmm. they just actually just, a Friday, they closed bars down at 12 p.m. noon. So bars are now basically closed. That's a weird um, time. Go, same thing. Yeah, it, it is, right? I was <laughs> thinking they said 12 a.m. They said 12 p.m. And I was like, all right. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was really weird. Then they closed, you know, like some clubs down and just different places, uh, different picnics. I mean, like parks and stuff like that to have mm-hmm. picnics. So it's been, it's just been everywhere, you know? It's just like literally like this. Yeah, it's, it's been it, crazy. It, it's COVID is changing a lot. That's going to happen for like from here on out. Big time. Big How time. was it to find out during spring training that you guys were being sent home? Let me tell you, that was just weird. That yeah. was a whole weird deal. I was there probably a little over, little over a week. I wasn't there very long. Mm. And, you know, my parents were calling me saying, oh, the Houston Rodeo got, you know, they canceled it. And I was like, man, that's the first time in my life yeah 23 years been going to rodeo my whole childhood and they said they canceled on that's weird so maybe this thing's a little more serious but i was like you know maybe that's in texas it's not in arizona like that so then um you know we get a spring train everybody's bumping elbows because they're saying you know we gotta take precautions i'm like you know we'll do that for a while it'll blow over and it was about i think march 11th or 12th you know i'm talking to some buddies we're out to eat and we're hearing guys that we know from different other teams and you know arizona locally and they're like dude they're sending us home and we're like sending them home for what and they were like dog apparently this covid stuff is really bad so um we were actually one of the last teams in arizona to find out but you know oh, we really? start hearing guys like yeah we were one of the last ones to find out oh, wow. we're one of the last ones to leave because i know the a's had already gone yeah we they're got out d-bags yeah dodgers they were all out of there so uh, I think it was that Saturday they called us um, to some meetings they were having with, you know, groups of guys at a time. So we were coming to the clubhouse and they basically told us, you know, we recommend everybody to leave right now. <laughs> like, go get your stuff and, uh, and leave. So 
And uh, it was just, it just threw me off guard because, you know, you're working so hard for so many months and you're just locked in, you're ready to go, you're ready to start playing. And then something like that hits and you're just like, you know, you're hopping in your car, you're packing up your car going home and it feels like you're packing up your car to go to your affiliate like you just broke camp. Yeah. But you're actually driving home. So I'm driving from Tempe, Arizona to Houston, Texas, and that's a roughly 17-hour drive. So I'm driving oh, yeah. 16, 1650, and I've done it's that a one. hike, man. I left at 12, 12 p.m., like a little after 12, because I had to go to the apartment and get my stuff. Left mm. a little after 12 p.m., and, man, I was on the road forever. I might have gotten home at 6 in the morning, maybe, 6 or 7. It was unbelievable. It's like Unforgettable. The- <laughs> Unforgettable. A whole lot of Red Bull kept me up. It's phenomenal of how long Texas is from one side to the other. Houston, El Paso is 10 hours. So just imagine that. I did. I actually did that drive back in uh, uh, 2018 at the end of 2018. Really? And whoa, whoa. Yeah. So I drove from Miami, Florida up to Washington State. 56 hours. Oh my gosh. That would have driven me crazy. Yeah. And then I did the uh, through Texas all the way, like from one tip to the other. But what's, what's crazy is that from, from the bottom of Florida all the way around, it's like the same distance. Really? Yeah. Wow. I never knew that. Yeah. I've never really been to like South Florida. I've only been, like, I have family up in um, uh, Panama City. Okay. So that's like, right you know it's very yeah, yeah, yeah. i want to say it's like near like tallahassee maybe yep yeah so i've been over there beautiful beaches by the way love going down there and it's really not that bad of a drive that drive to houston arizona that's different mm. that's different it's a boring drive Dude, man. it's boring it's it's so long i mean just just like you said getting out of texas is so long that's 10 hours you're just like man i'm not i feel like i haven't gone anywhere but you're still in texas yeah it's it, it's it's uh, huge man it was like I made the bad choice of five o'clock traffic or just go oh, through man. it. And I hit and I and I went through it, so I hit five o'clock traffic in Houston. You were gonna be hit traffic regardless. Houston <laughs> Houston has traffic everywhere, man. It's not one set place that there is traffic, there isn't traffic. If it's normal, it starts earlier than five now. I mean, you know, like I've been home now, it's like at four o'clock now it's hitting. I'm yeah. like, you know what, let me hit some back streets to get home because I mean I don't feel like sitting on fifty nine for three hours or you know 45 minutes that bumper to bumper traffic i just i just don't want to do it <laughs> there's a hidden gem down there man bucky's that is one of the oh, coolest yeah. places yeah. i have ever been yeah bucky's is awesome man i mean it's it's huge they got food in there snacks nice restrooms anything you can think of anything you can think yeah. of that's why i love it like when you're traveling it's an easy place to stop but like let me go to bucky's real quick grab some some peanuts or some chips real quick and Food is really good too. My brother orders the actual food because we had a a Bucky's. So I went to a junior college, and down the street we had a Bucky's uh, in like a little small town. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was awesome. But down there, get some food sometimes because the food wasn't always great. Cast so sometimes you go down there, get a little grub, and be on your way. So it was nice. See, there's some amazing food down there. Oh yeah, 100%. I was so glad that I moved down to like the south. It was oh yeah, great move right there. <laughs> Were you always wanting to? be a professional baseball player like when you're younger or did you have other goals Man, that's a gr- that's a great question so i knew i wanted to play professional baseball but i'm gonna be honest with you at the time i was like i want to play college football because mm-hmm. i played i started playing football 
in the fall when I was about five years old. And then I started playing baseball in the spring when I was still five years old. Maybe I turned six. I don't know. No, I, was, I think I was five. Um, so that was kind of the thing. You know, my whole childhood, I wanted, I really looked up to Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders, even though like I wasn't old athletes, enough to face man. with two sport athletes. So that was my thing. You know, growing up, you know, my whole life I played two sports. And I can always say football was very natural for me. Mm. Never really too hard. Like, I worked at it just because I wanted to be better at it. Not because it was, it came hard to me. It was very, it was natural for me. The movements, mm. you know, I like running the ball. I was an offensive guy. So making people miss was always a natural move for me. That wasn't ever a hard thing for me to do. Um, you know, playing defense, things like that. You know, I was always really good playing, uh, you know, football growing up. It was just, it was just one of those things, you know. So, yeah. I knew I wanted to keep playing baseball. I just really wanted to keep playing football. So a lot of things happened. I'm going to just speed you up real quick, and then we can go back a little bit if you want to. Uh, um, a lot of things happened going into late high school, you know, playing football and baseball. I ended up uh, going to a junior college because I didn't get the, the offers I really wanted to continue playing football. They just didn't happen. I had good seasons. It just Things just kind of weren't in my favor. You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. how the, the uh, tables turn sometimes. And um, that's when I really made the decision. You know, my dad and a summer coach of mine um, really helped me make the decision. You know, um, rest is history, really. So what was it like when you uh, got got the call saying that you are drafted? Man, that was that was the best feeling. The best feeling ever. Just knowing so many years um, of hard work had paid off, you know, going from you know, being good, you know, as a kid and just, you know, being pretty good and starting to get better and then having a, had some struggles and start figuring the game out for myself, really having good guys around me that helped me really mm-hmm. turn on that light bulb upstairs, helped me offensively, defensively, helped me start looking at the game in a different way. So seeing all that just pan off and just knowing I had the support, you know, my strong family support, you know, from my immediate family, you know, to my cousins, my aunt, my uncles, grandparents, you know, very tight-knit family. So, you know, I've been having the support of them through, you know, all the years of ups and downs. So it was just very, like, a out-of-body experience for me. Yeah, see, that would be one one time, like, you would never forget. Never. Never. As long what, as I live. What was it like playing down in Texas? Like, like for high school sports? Hot. Hot and exciting. Yeah. Know, that's two words I can give you. Very hot and exciting. I know you've probably heard about Texas high school football. And it's, oh, yeah. it's everything they say. Plus There's more. movies out there about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's everything they say plus more. So I had a really good time enjoying that. I actually went to two high schools. Um, I went to Kimner High School in Sugarland, Texas for two years. And then I ended up moving. And I went to uh, Travis High School in Richmond, Texas. So on my drive through Texas, there was uh, we were in the middle of nowhere. And then I just turned and look, and there's this big ass stadium. Mm-hmm. I was like, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna hop on Google Maps and just see like see like what college that is. Mm-hmm. I'm like, because th- there's no other big buildings. High yeah. school football stadium. Yep, yep, hundred percent. It was. We have a stadium unreal. out in Cypress, Texas, the Barry Center. It's one out in Beaumont, going towards like Prairie View A&M University. They have a beautiful stadium. Katy Independent School District down the street, they have two stadiums, like, back-to-back, you know, million-dollar screens and everything. It's unreal out here. It really is. 
That it, is it's, insane. It's really like that out here. Yeah, this, this is Texas. Everything is bigger in Texas. That is valid. That's a re- that's a real thing. That no, like that is. Especially, especially at Bucky's, like when I saw like how many gas pumps there was. Yeah. I was like, no that's way. A, that's when you know. That's when you know you're in Texas. <laughs> Who would you say would be your uh, inspiration behind, I guess, like your motivation to keep going? And, like, Man, grind. I mean, because like, we were talking about that earlier, I guess, like in minor league baseball, like it's a grind, man. It is a grind. Um, well, first off, my family's always been big inspiration for me. You know, the encouragement they give me and my lower points, you know, with just the, all things that come with a season mm-hmm. and just a baseball career in general. Yeah. Um, just unreal. So, you know, I have to definitely thank them very much for, you know, for what they do and always encouraging me and keeping me going. Uh, also, I had a summer coach by the name of Dennis Carter, and he was a former first-round pick. When he lived in Mississippi. So the whole way we met was just very unorthodox, you could say. Mm-hmm. I was just coming from – I just ended my sophomore year in high school. I was on JV, actually, as a sophomore. I played varsity football as a sophomore, you know, came to baseball. Looking back on it now, I wasn't physically ready or just ready to handle some of the pitching that came with varsity. I had some friends that were – on varsity, uh, things like that. So, you know, I ended the season, you know, a little, a little frustrated because I was like, mm-hmm. man, I got to, you know, I got to catch up to speed. So, um, you know, I'm going to go try out for this team called the Columbia Angels Summer League, well, summer team. And we were leaving the trial and we got back home and my dad was on the internet just kind of, you know, doing what we always do, coming from a trial, just kind of relaxing. He said, yeah. hey, it's another trial down the street if you want to check it out. They started at 2, it's 1.50. And I was like, I mean <laughs> – yeah, let's, let's go check it out. And, uh, you know, I walked in there. They had already started. So I'm a little nervous, but I was warm already. I was already just coming from trout. I was fine. You yeah. know, you're 16 years old. You can just hop in you can and just do go. Anything. You don't really need yes, man. Exactly. So we, we can't do that in. now. Now it's tough. No, no, not at all. I, mean, I need twins and everything. And I'm like, my body is I'm 23 done. and I just got to, it takes me about 30 minutes to get going. Yep. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, we get out there, and there's this guy. He's like, hey, he's kind of waving me out here. So, you know, little did I know that I was going to be the man I became the closest to. So, mm-hmm. long story short, uh, we meet him, and he talks to my dad, and boom, now I'm on the Fort Bend Texans, and, you know, just developed a great relationship with him and um, met some really good people uh, that I still call really close friends to this day. And, um, uh yeah, so that was a really big moment for me. Kind of, t- like, took me in almost as a son, almost. Mm-hmm. You know, I have, you know, a dad in my life, you know, very active in my life. But he took that that father figure role from the baseball and life perspective of it as far as telling my parents the things that I needed to do to get better, taking me to tournaments, showcases, um, if I didn't have any wood bats, he'd say, hey, swing by my house, I got some, that kind of thing. So he was just always, you know, money-wise, if it was tournaments, something like that I couldn't afford, he would make sure I was able to go and be there and be a part of it and be seen and really vouch for me, you know, really vouch for me, really mm-hmm. believed in me. So um, I found out that he had cancer um, when I was in junior college, when I was just going to junior college. So, you know, I met him in maybe 2013. So this is about 26, 20, mid-2015. And um I found out he had cancer, but, you know, he was the kind of person where you would never know anything was wrong with him. Yeah. If I had to, if I had to give you an image in your mind, think of Bernie Mac. That's who he was. Very vibrant, big smile, per, big personality. He didn't meet any strangers. 
And uh, I found out he had cancer. So I was a little, you know, I was a little scared. But when I saw him, he looked fine. And he didn't look like there was anything wrong with him. And he was just kind of carrying on. And, you know, I asked him, was he all right? But, you know, he didn't really want to talk about it too much. Yeah. He was like, you got a season to worry about. You know, he was like, you, you know, I'm fine. He was like, don't worry about me. I'm good. And so, and that was actually, uh, you know, I saw him going to the, the spring starting in my freshman year. And uh, he ended up passing, you know, two, maybe a month or two after that. I'm sorry, man. And, oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And um, it was, that, that was a tough time for me because I felt like I had lost my support, like my backbone, kind of the person that jump-started this whole thing for me. I mean, he told me when I was 16 I was going to be a professional baseball player and I was still thinking about playing football. And I was just yeah. like, I don't know. I was like, I don't know. I was like, you know, I can. But, you know, I, was, I don't know how I'm going to get there. And basically, mm-hmm. he told me this is what I was going to do. And, you know, I look back now and this is what I'm doing. So he's been a huge inspiration for me. You know, I just I actually got a new glove with his name uh, embroidered on it. And uh, I kind of keep him with me, you know, shin guard, elbow, oh, yeah. everything. Everything I can just because he just reminds me every time I get on the field, really, because um, you never can repay somebody for so much they did for you and so much um, confidence. You know, he had supreme confidence in me. As far as talking to scouts, he'd be like, yeah, I got a guy. You know, this is what he can do. And so it meant a lot to me just to know that somebody valued me that much, you know, to somebody yeah. really appreciated my game that much and saw, like, you know, you can really be something if you just, you know, lock in. And so when I was telling you earlier, you know, I had a coach and my dad, you know, telling me to keep playing. That was him. That uh-huh. was him. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a beautiful story. And I hate that he's not here to see some of the things that I've been able to accomplish. But at the same time, I know but he is there with you. Yeah, exactly. No, he's, I, he's very present with me. I can definitely attest to that one. That's it, it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's really hard. Like when you lose someone that close, that made yeah. that big of an impact on you. Yeah. There's like little things that just like happen that remind you that he's with, he's with you. Definitely. All the time. No, All it's, the time. So, um, you know, I would, you know, some things that kind of, it chokes me up sometimes just because yeah. you know, I just miss him being here. I miss our conversation. You know, we would drive to showcases and just laugh for hours. And he was, you know, like I said, that Bernie Mac yeah. type personality, big personality. So we would talk about everything under the sun. And, you know, <laughs> from, if you, you know, tell me, you know, stay clean, stay away from, you know, drinking and drugs and all these things. And I just remember, um, I guess his, his final few days on, you know, on this earth, I was, I was playing a, I had a series to play and, um, I was playing against his secretary's uh, son, mm-hmm. junior college, because we played together in summer ball. And he was like a, the leader of our organization, summer ball. And he had a secretary and her son played in a different junior college. And we were playing against them. And, um, you know, she was texting my mom. She was like, yeah, Dennis, you know, he keeps asking how Spencer's doing. You know, he's laying in the bed fighting for his life. And he's still asking how I'm doing, uh, you know, making sure I'm okay. So, you know, that kind of stuff means, you know, love, means the world man. to me. It is. It is, and it's the most genuine love that I've been shown outside of my family. So, um, you know, and, and I love that about him, and I thank him for him. So I keep him with me. You know, that's, that's one of my biggest inspirations. Uh, to answer your question, that's one of my biggest inspirations. It's crazy how, like, one person can make such an impact on someone's life. And you, you said impact. I didn't really know what impact meant until, you know, he stepped into my life. And now I look at it just like, angel who's just kind of guiding me where i needed to go and yeah just kind of put me on a path and you know now i'm doing what i'm doing he told me this when i was 16 i knew i wanted to do it i just didn't know how i was going to do it because a lot of things that happened 
later in high school, you know, baseball wise, I remember my senior year, junior year was pretty good. Once I had already switched schools, I had a solid junior year baseball season. And my senior year was just, it was awful. It was a season to forget. You know, I had some scouts checking me out and things like that. And I couldn't, I couldn't put a barrel on a baseball to save my life. Couldn't do mm-hmm. it. And it was a very, that was a very tough time for me because, you know, you're a senior in high school, you're expected to just kind of be going through the motions at that point, hitting, fielding, throwing, you know, I have a chance to be drafted. Let me go ahead and showcase some stuff. And it was the complete opposite for me. And it got so bad to the point where middle of the season, I wasn't even starting anymore. So I'm you know, 18 years old. I'm sitting on the bench, you know, I'm watching sophomores play. I vividly remember that sitting on the bench, just like in a daze almost like, what is going on? Like what, why can't I hit? Confidence was just shot. Um, that was the first time I ever really dealt with something like that. So I didn't really know how to react to it. So mentally mm-hmm. I was just, I was just in a funk. I was tired of school. I was just ready to, I was ready to go to college. I was like, I'm just, I'm done with it. I was like, I don't, I can't do anything else. I was like, you know, I was thinking, I was telling my dad and, and coach Carter, I was like, if I can't hit high school pitching, no way I'm going to hit junior college pitching. Well, like it's weird. Like how, I mean, but that right there is baseball. Mm-hmm. That is the game it of is. baseball though. That's, that's how it goes. And, um, you know, I had some different issues with some coaches and just mm-hmm. a lot of yeah. a lot of weird things just started happening. And uh, so it got to the point where I was just mentally and physically, I was just, I was done. So after the season, I was really ready to, I was ready to quit baseball altogether. I didn't really want to play too much more because I was telling my dad and Coach Carter, like I was saying, I was like, if I can't hit junior college pitching, I mean, high school pitching, you know, I have no shot in junior college. And they really, you know, pressed into me and told me I could do it and really encouraged me you know, to, um, to keep playing, you know, junior college. So I spent the whole summer, you know, just trying to perfect my swing and just hone my craft, hone my craft every morning, you know, hidden for hours. I would take my mom. Uh, I didn't have a car, so I would drop my mom off at summer school and I would mm-hmm. go to the cages around the corner. And I would hit hour and a half and then go pick her back up and she would drive, you know, drive home. So, you know, I really wanted to improve my game. So by the time I got to Warden in the fall, you know, I'd, stepped it up a tick and um it's kind of been on since there just production wise just kind of kept getting better that's when I really became like a student of the game mm-hmm. I was never really a student of the game before that I always liked it but I was always athletic enough to just kind of do it but once I hit that junior college point I knew I was gonna have to do something different as far as how I went about the game to take that next step so well that was, you that were, was a big thing for me you were on your way man <laughs> thank you you're doing a good so do you have any advice uh, for the listeners who are considering, like, give up a dream? What would you tell them? Never give up. Just don't quit. The best things in life or the beauty in life. Sometimes a lot of people have, you know, easy ways to get things. But when you get something and you know that you grinded for it and you worked for it, it, it hits different. I'll put it that way. So never give up on dream whether that's you know athletically or in whatever field that you're trying to pursue you never give up um if you're passionate about it i never quit on it i was passionate about the game of baseball and i felt like i wanted to quit too and we all hit that point mentally sometimes where things just aren't going right so you want to just you want to give it up you just want to quit but you got to have something in you that's telling you not to quit and for me i had people around me telling me not to quit you know i had coach carter at my mom my dad um i had good people you know i'm a 
big faith guy. So, you know, I prayed a lot and I knew and, you know, I knew in my heart that wasn't what I should do. So I just tell everybody, you know, if you think about quitting, you want them to quit, don't quit. Just keep working. That's the best way I can put it. You got to keep going and keep working and keep pushing. You have to. That's necessary. Anything you do. Like the stories that I share on this podcast, it's to inform you guys, the audience, that it's not just about the players that are on the field. There's way more backstory and events that happen off the field to help them get where they are today. You just don't know what these players are going through. And I feel that us as fans, we need to recognize that. These guys do it for the love of the game, and especially in the minor leagues, they don't get paid that much. And those people that you meet along the way as your inspiration, motivation, it does help you through these times. As always, a huge thank you to Routine Baseball for many of the apparel I wear throughout the episodes. Routine Baseball has got me covered. They started out of a basement producing teas, and now they are shipping apparel across the globe. And as you guys saw on my Instagram page, I will put the link below, uh, that I am shipping out stickers uh, that say at Loaded Bases Podcast. I have them in white, white or black. Let me know what you want. And I'll for sure ship them out. I'm shipping them all the way from Hawaii to Florida to Denmark. Across the globe. Just trying to get my name out there. Also, I started a uh, Patreon account. So, Patreon is a website that you, as a fan, you can help my podcast directly. I have different tiers of what you can do for the podcast. And they all come back with rewards. So, go check out my Patreon uh, it's patreon.com slash loaded bases podcast. I want, and I will also post the link below as well. Oh, and go Cubs.